to share something with those of you who have been donating used stamps. Um, there is a little mailbox in the foyer. As you come in that door, it's on your left, it's white. And all you have to do is any letters you get that have stamps, trim them to uh, about a quarter to a half inch, or even just give me the envelope with the stamp on it, and I will trim them. But believe it or not, the ministry started back in 1972. There are workers, retired workers, retired pastors in Fort Myers at Shell Point Village in Florida who have this ministry of selling those stamps to collectors and donating all of the proceeds for materials in Spanish for countries in South America, Sunday school, vacation Bible school materials, so that they can be developed and printed and donated. And I just sent a large bag of stamps, and every time I do, they say, please put in a self-addressed stamped envelope so we can acknowledge that we received them. And they also sent me an update. So it says, in July of 2018, the Alliance Stamp Ministry, with God's help, reached $1 million. We're now working on our second million. And as of the end of 21, maybe a lot of people cut stamps or sent letters during COVID, but at the end of 21, they had a total of 1,156,300. That, that just blows me away. So if you want to support missions with the Christian Missionary Alliance and you feel, I just don't have anything extra to give, cut stamps, put them in the mailbox, and you will be giving toward children having materials in their language. Let's pray. Father, we just sang, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And we do welcome you. We ask that you would be present in all that is said and done. And Lord, I just pray that it would be your words, not mine. And be with Pastor Jeff, as he may still be actually in transit for counsel in Spokane. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. know about you, but I love making lists. So I make lists in my calendar. I make lists on scrap paper. I make lists on my phone. I even have a Bible that has wide margins. It's an inductive study Bible. So I can make lists on the side. So lists are something I'm always paying attention to. When you see genealogies, those are lists. When you're in the Old Testament and you see the tribes of Israel and this one to the north and this one to the south and this one takes off first, those are all lists. And one of the things I did recently, since we are going through the book of Acts with Pastor Jeff, he just finished chapter 17 last week, I thought about why not make a list of the women that Luke mentions in the Gospel of Luke 
and up through chapter 17 of the book of Acts. Because what I'm going to be doing today is sharing stories with you. That was great that that was part of our call to worship. We'll share our stories. You're going to see a picture, and I'm going to share stories about women around the world that are being trained to share the gospel and to train other women. But I just didn't want you to think this is out of the ordinary because Luke in particular, maybe it was because he was a Gentile, maybe it was because he was a doctor. Jeff and I kind of talked about, we wonder if maybe he had a mother who was very important in his life. But he almost always will mention women along with the men. In fact, if any of you have ever heard of Ruth Tucker, she wrote a book called Daughters of the Church, and she talks about Luke almost always mentioning things in pairs. And as I list these women for you, you're probably going to understand, yeah, there was a man that was talked about in that section also. So here goes from the Gospel of Luke. The first woman mentioned was Elizabeth, Zachariah's wife. Then we have Mary, the mother of Jesus, Anna in the temple, and as a part of that pair, there was Simeon in the temple, Herodias, the wife of Herod, Simon Peter's mother-in-law, the widow of Nain, an unnamed woman who perfumed Jesus' feet and then wet them with her hair, Mary Magdalene, Jairus' daughter, who was raised the woman with the flow of blood who touched the hem of his garment, Martha and Mary, sisters of Lazarus, the woman who cried out, blessed is the womb that bore you, and then Jesus corrected her, <laughs> um, the woman bent double, the woman in the temple with her coins, the servant girl who recognized Peter as he was by the fire when Jesus was being tried, the women mourning Jesus, kind of following after him as he carried his cross. The women who came with Jesus to Jerusalem from Galilee. And Mary, the mother of James, and other women at the cross or at the tomb. Now, I didn't even include references to the Old Testament, like the widow of Zarephath or the queen of the south. These were just women who were prominent in the gospel of Luke, who were prominent in the story of Jesus. Now, what about women in the early church? In Acts 1 to 17, again, we have Mary, the mother of Jesus. We have the women with the other followers who are seeing Jesus ascend into heaven. The Hellenistic widows who were being overlooked in the serving of food, and that was corrected. The uh, Candace, queen of Ethiopia, who's uh, mentioned because it's one of her servants, the eunuch that Philip is sent to to preach the gospel. The Christian women that Paul bound in chains to bring to Jerusalem to be persecuted for the gospel before Paul met Jesus. Tabitha, Mary the mother of John Mark, Rhoda the servant girl, the devout women of prominence in city at Antioch, Lydia in Philippi, the slave girl in Philippi, prominent Greek women in Berea, 
And then at the end of Acts 17, and part of Pastor Jeff's sermon last week was Damaris, or I'm going to say Damaris because I also will be talking about a girl in Spain whose name is Damaris, who spoke here at our church about a year ago, actually. Um, women play an important part in God's plan. And as I look around today, it's probably a little more women than men here right now. I'm not saying they play a more important part, but oftentimes in churches today, there will be a prominence of women. And I'm also not trying to talk about what I believe women can and cannot do. Um, I'm not going to get into that. I'm just saying they're important. Everyone is important to Jesus. And when I was young, I think the calling placed on my life was to minister to women. That, that became very clear in college, especially when I would hold Bible studies and go sharing the gospel in the dormitories and on campus. Um, and then overseas, I taught at a girls' school. So there were some male teachers, but there were a lot of female teachers. There were some boys who came to that school because they could walk, or actually they ran to get to school every day. But the, the boarding part was all girls, 500 girls in that school. Um, and I think the boys probably were only about 40 uh, boys total in the school. So from, from early on, God has called me to work with women. And um, I'm going to ask Julia now to show the slide that I sent. Because this is a report of what happened in Hungary, in Budapest, outside of Budapest, actually, by about an hour at a retreat center where I was this past March. But a lot of the stories will go back farther than that because I have been able to be part of these women's lives in different places. So I'm going to start on my far right with the woman in turquoise. That's Debbie. And I'm not going to use last names. Um, and just so you know, I mean, some of these women are in fairly secure areas, even though they got to come to Hungary for the training. So Debbie actually ministers in the Middle East, but her background is British. So here is a woman who has lived and served with her husband in the Middle East, sharing the gospel, discipling, and mentoring women. And I met her in the fall of 2019 when she was in one of the modules that I facilitated, the very first one, facilitating relational learning. And I have to say, I wasn't sure she would come back. <laughs> um, it, she, she's a deep thinker. And it really, I think, took her some time after that week together to process and say, yeah, this, this is a good way to reach women and train women. And so I've had the privilege of having her in another module. And she finished during COVID online and has already had this experience plus one more of co-facilitating. And this one was trial by fire because 
her lead facilitator. So think about a classroom with a teacher and a student teacher. The teacher's passport didn't come. She had to do this as a student teacher, as a facilitator in training with her lead person on Zoom. And the lead person was in Ohio having to get up at two in the morning to be online at three or something like that. So, I mean, it was a lot of, that went on, but she is now trained and this fall, when I go back to the Middle East to work there, she will be one of the ones that will be facilitating in their language. I'll still be doing English. It'll be the last time we're needed for English, but she will be facilitating in their language with women who have very little access to training. Next to Debbie, who is shorter, and Diane's quite tall, um, Diane is Swiss German. She and her husband hosted us in their home when I traveled to Switzerland in the late uh, summer, early fall of 2022, just last year. And Diane has a burden for women also, but she grew up and served with Child Evangelism Fellowship for years. So she's always talking about reaching her grandchildren and reaching the children in the neighborhood. But she also knows that in order for that work to carry on, she needs to mentor women. So Diane was in the first module. Next to her, you may note the resemblance, is her daughter. So when I was at her home last year, she said, I want my daughter to hear about this. So her daughter is um, married to a German guy, and they actually live in Germany across the border from Switzerland. But she came and stayed with us and talked. And this year, she and her mom came together. The other exciting thing about her mom is she has agreed to help translate. Our, our materials, only basic ones, have ever been translated into German. And Diane has felt called to do that work. So she is already starting to translate for us into German because that's our goal. We want to get it into the heart language of the people. Just like Wycliffe wants to get Bibles in their language, we want to get training materials in their language. So next to, Di to Diane and her daughter, Anina, in kind of, it looks like all black, but I think that was actually blue, um, that is another woman, Paula is how she says it. She's Colombian from South America, married to an Italian living in Italy. And she also came with her daughter. And her daughter is not in red. She's beside the girl in red, Sophia. Sophia was just 20. 20-year-olds, I mean, we've been praying for years to reach the younger generation, and sometimes it's mother-daughter pairs that are doing that. So it was so exciting. And Sophia and I have been texting back and forth. We use an app called, called WhatsApp, and um, we 
have been texting back and forth, and she actually has a year abroad serving with a Christian organization in Chile. And one of the prayer requests I would ask from you is she needs her visa for that. She's supposed to go early July, and her visa hasn't come through. So passports and visas lately have really caused problems. <laughs> so in the red is Anna. Anna is the Hungarian representative at this training in Hungary. Um, she is a school nurse. She's married to a pastor. She has two daughters and a son, I believe. And I truly see the possibility for Anna being in charge of the work in Hungary over maybe the next five years, just growing in that, because now she has also had two of our modules, feels very strongly that, that God is calling her to do something more. But with the husband who's a pastor and being a school nurse and having children, right now she just doesn't have the bandwidth, the capacity to do a lot more. And then I said next to her was Sophia, the 20-year-old from Italy. Then Augie, some of you met when she was here. A few of you got to have uh, lunch with Augie. She was never here on a Sunday. We're hoping that'll change next year when she comes, that she'll be able to be here on a Sunday. Augie and I met in 2017, uh, the first time I ever facilitated what a couple of our women are familiar with, developing a discerning heart. And I did it in a home in Hungary, in Budapest. Augie is half Polish, half Hungarian, speaks Polish, Hungarian, English, and Spanish. And she used to work for Citibank and some other multinational places so that her her English is very, very good. Um, but she is now in the role that I used to have. In January, she took over as European regional team leader. So from 2017 to 2023, another woman and myself mentored, spent time with, traveled with, cried with, WhatsApp called with, <laughs> this woman, and God called her to take that role. And she's doing an excellent job. She was in charge of this whole training. She found the site. She did the transportation. Um, luckily for us, because most of the people there didn't speak English, the cooks and things, so she had to keep translating, uh, no, we can't have gluten in this, and we need something different here. <laughs> Next to her was my lead facilitator, which this is another exciting part to me, Anne, who works on staff with us with Entrust. Anne was with me in Switzerland in a module in 2015 or 16, and God later called her when she retired from a computer position. Uh, she's a computer engineer. And he called her to work with us. So I had been mentoring her, and now she was my lead. So that would be like your student teacher becoming the teacher and the teacher coming back in to refresh under that student teacher. Um, next to Anne is Marty. Marty serves, she's from the Pennsylvania area near Lancaster, and she serves in France. 
And the French work is going gangbusters right now. Sometimes with a lot of the expatriates, particularly refugees, but it's been very exciting to see what God is doing. And next to her is me. Um, and then Dita. Dita is Dutch, living in France, and was at our training in English. So I feel very humbled by these women who speak so many different languages. Um, but Dita will be finishing up her training soon, and she's part of that French team, as is Marie, which is next to Dita. She's head of our work. Well, Marie is South African who has served in Madagascar for eight to 10 years, now serving in France, who has children who are workers in Mexico. And um, I mean, it's just all of this is very multinational. When Revelation talks about at the throne, there will people, be people from every tribe and tongue and nation. I mean, that was what was represented at this training. Now you wonder, I purposefully cut off the last gal. You could just barely see her because she is from one of the stand countries. And right now she lives in Czechoslovakia, but she goes back there a lot. And so she is from a country which is very, very low percentage of Christians. And she wonders if God may be calling her back there to work. But right now she is in Czech Republic. Um, she is a precious young woman whose story actually goes back to workers who were there at a time when it was a little easier for internationals to be there and talk about Jesus, and then also some experiences of her mother, who is a believer. So she, again, very multinational, um, speaks English fluently, is getting ready to take her uh, Czech language test, and I'm trying to think, I think she speaks Russian, her own language, lots of different languages represented. So that gives you an idea of the women I work with when I'm overseas. But my new role is called mobilization. And what that means is I will be recruiting people to go through our training, become certified, and help us in English in some of these different places where we desperately need help. The Philippines is one of them. We always have more requests for training in the Philippines than we have people to train them. Now we're getting that first group of Filipinos finished, so they're gonna be able to do it soon, but it's not yet. So I will be in this next year going to Bible colleges, seminaries, churches, contacts, trainings, things that I can go to and try to meet women just to let them know what the needs are because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are definitely few. I also want to just remind you that in the book of Acts, because that's what we've been in, you know what Paul says, is exactly what we are called to do. Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit 
comes upon you. Remember, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And you will be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the remotest part of the earth. I am so thankful that Paul and Peter and Philip and others took that seriously because I wouldn't know about Jesus if they hadn't taken that first step on their missionary journeys. But I'm also very thankful for the privilege of serving women in other countries who want to reach their own women in their language, in their culture. I learned some things about their culture even this time that I did not know before. I've made some faux pas. In certain countries I go to, you can't even mention the name of the leader because as an American, they would think whatever I was saying was negative. Um, so you, you just don't even mention the name of that person. Um, and, and so there's a lot to remember just culturally so you don't make the mistakes that might get you, but more likely get your national friends in trouble. I want to thank Lansdowne. They've prayed for me. Pastor Jeff has many times taken me to Dulles Airport to get my flight because I can go Dulles directly to many of these places, and I can't do that from BWI. It's less expensive, and it's just much easier because you don't have to worry about missing a connecting flight in New York or Philadelphia or Chicago, Atlanta, those places. So Pastor Jeff has, has just been wonderful in helping me. Many of you have prayed. Um, Amy and I pray about once a week on the phone, and often there will be ministry things that we will pray for as well as personal. Um, there are things that you guys do to help and support me that you may not even be aware of. Just asking me when I get back, how did it go? What was a highlight? I mean, when you've been away, you like to hear someone who wants to hear your stories, the stories we want to tell to one another. So thank you. But I also realize, and I think I have shared this, I am going to be moving before too long to be closer to my family in Blacksburg, Virginia. So I wanted this opportunity to thank you, to tell you to please keep praying, to tell you you won't be forgotten. I will be coming back to Baltimore for visits and all kinds of things. I'll probably still fly out of Dulles, just won't have Pastor Jeff drive me from Blacksburg to <laughs> Dulles. But um, it, it's... And it's not imminent, um, but I did find out last week that on a wait list that I've been on, my name was number two the last time. So it is getting closer. Probably will be late summer or fall. So if you would like to receive the emails that um, I send out every two to six weeks, it kind of depends on what's going on. Sometimes it's a longer period. Sometimes it's shorter. On that same uh, place that Aaron was talking about, where the welcome cards are, I just put a list that said name and email address, so I'd love to send you the emails. If you're a woman, or even if you're a man who knows women who might be interested in the training, there are a few of the little flip cards, 
and my business cart that I also put out there. If we need more of those, I can bring more next week. So some of you may be thinking, you know, this, this is something I'm not called to do, and that's fine. God doesn't call all of us to do the same things. But he does call those who are believers to be concerned for the lost, to be concerned for those without access to trainings and scripture, for those who are persecuted and can't meet freely as we are doing today, as we talked about during that uh, Veterans Memorial Day video. There may also be some of you who have never made that commitment to Jesus. I have to tell you, it's been the most exciting thing in my life to serve Jesus. It is not boring to serve Jesus. And I don't feel it's restrictive to serve Jesus. It's actually very freeing because the boundaries I have are set by the creator. They're not set by me. They're not set by someone else. It is freeing to come to Jesus and just turn your life over to him. Again, from the book of Acts, over and over, Paul says, and Peter says, and Stephen says, and Philip says, repent. Now, that's not easy, but God even then provides the grace for those who don't know him yet, to make that turn, repentance, to walking this way, to walking this way. He gives the grace to do that. For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works. What you do, what I do after we come to Christ is because we love him. We take joy in serving. We want to do this. It's not a burden. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your love, for your goodness, for all these women here today, the women in Europe, the women in the Middle East, in so many other places that want to serve you. And thank you, Lord, for their pastors Thank you for the husbands who take care of children while they are at these trainings. Thank you that you have called those who know you into a walk of faith to follow you into an exciting and enriching and joy-filled service. And even when the hard times come, you never leave us nor forsake us. It's not always roses. There are those thorns, but you are with us. Thank you, Lord, for Lansdowne. Thank you for each person here today and each person who may be watching this live stream. Touch their hearts as you have touched others to just serve freely and with joyful heart. 
in Jesus' name.